folks who struggle the most and feel probably that they're in the deepest of ruts are the ones that don't take time to know who they want to be. And like, what is it that makes me tick? What do I believe in? What are my values? Welcome to Seat Go Create. This is where we talk a lot about success. We dig into it. We're going to be doing that today. We redefine success in leadership, business, ministry, but we're going to be talking about just general success in life, I believe, today that will pertain to everyone. I'm Tim Winders. I'm your host, executive coach. I work with leaders, leadership teams, so I dig this stuff. And today I've actually got, I consider him a buddy, friend of mine. We've known each other for a couple of years in and around podcast circles, and he's got a lot of great things going on with a new book and all that. And I'm going to read his official bio before we get started, just so I get it good and right, and then we'll uh, we'll dive in. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Seat Go Create. This is Jerry Dugan, and Jerry Dugan is a leadership consultant, training facilitator, and public speaker who hosts the podcast with a great name, Beyond the Rut. He's just written a book also by the same name that we're going to be talking about. He helps build servant leaders by finding clarity and alignment in their work and personal lives. There's a lot more stuff to Jerry's bio. We'll dive into that as we get going. Jerry, welcome. Thanks so much. This is awesome. (laughs) Excited that you're here. Excited that we get to have this conversation because I get to ask you things that I may not have ever asked you before. I know. It's almost like payback, like when you were on my show, right? But different. <laughs> yeah, that's been, I was thinking about that. has been a few years ago. Yeah, I was a guest yeah. on Beyond the Rut, and we had the conversation there. Now he's, I've got him in my crosshairs, and we're going to go at it. First question, Jerry, let's go ahead and get it started the way I like to. Let's pretend that we don't know each other that well, but I think this is a good question anyway. And if someone bumps into you or if I bumped into you and they ask you what you do, what do you tell people when they ask you that? Oh, man. I tell them I play with three cats at home every day and I'm living the dream. No, I'm kidding. I tell them that for work, I help leaders become servant leaders and find that success both in their career, but in alignment with their faith and also have success with their family. So how do you have it all really? How do I succeed in my career and business without losing my faith or my family? So that's what I do through consulting, coaching. But the thing I love doing the most is training workshops. So team building workshops with managers and directors, all that good stuff. So that's what I do. Good. I'm going to dive into definitely two things you brought up, servant leader, and also just we like to really dive into how we define success here at Seat Go Go Create. But before we do that, I'm now hanging out with the RV with my granddaughters, and I was out walking them yesterday, and a cat, a black cat, walked across our path. And my granddaughter gets dogs and cats confused. Yeah, she hasn't distinguished that. She goes, oh, there's a cat. Can I go pet it? And my comment was, no, cats aren't to be petted. But uh, being a cat guy, I know nothing about cats. What do I need to educate my granddaughters about cats? What do they need to know? Stay away? I don't know. I'm on the opposite end. But cats, unlike dogs, because dogs just run up to you. They want to be your best friend. They've got no cares in the world, no fears in a way. But cats are a little bit more autonomous. So. They choose when they want to come to you. And, and I know a lot of kids like to run up and grab cats and hold on to them tightly. 
not the best way to approach them. But if the cat does come up to you and wants to be pet, then pet it. If they look like they want to climb up you, then you can grab them and, and hold them and carry them. Our One of our cats is a black cat, and he's a baby in the family now. He walks up to you. He gives a baby kind of cry. He reaches up to you, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is too cute. We're empty nesters now, so this is the closest thing we have to kids again. But yeah, I would say, yeah, for kids, cats like their independence. They like to be free. They like to choose when they get petted or picked up. So let them come to you. Don't go chase them down and grab them. And And please don't reach under the bed and grab them by the legs and pull them out. (laughs) They don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, she was wanting to jump out of the little wagon. I was carrying her around the block and say, oh, let me go after the cat. And it's a I, I guess it's like a neighborhood cat because I've seen it everywhere. It's outdoors and it does its thing here. We're right in Colorado Springs right now. And anyway, it's good. I'm always concerned that cats are looking at me thinking, how can I kill this person? But maybe that's not the case. They Maybe that's my issues I need to address and we don't need to do that right now. We've already offended a portion of the people here at Seat Go Crate. We apologize and We'll move on. Jerry, man, I'm excited you're here because what this allows me to do, even though you and I have been on Masterminds and we've been in the Christian Podcasters Association for, I guess, two plus years. And I looked at the thing here, you've been podcasting for like, you're like getting close to 10 years now. Is that right? Yeah. I believe January of 2024 will officially be 10 years. And with this particular show, Beyond the Rut, August 2015 was when it started. So yeah, it's been a while. I've The equipment and the software has changed tremendously since those days. And and so like before, it used to be funny that you would record a podcast on your phone. Now it's that some of the microphones in these phones are better than the microphones that we have in webcams. And and we've come a long way. (laughs) So we may have an OG, like we may have someone who's been around in, in the beginning before RSS feed, even anyone knew what that was, but... I'm not that far back. Anyway, uh, were. Jerry, one of the things I love about having this conversation is that to me, I, I don't even know if I've shared this with you, but a while back, I listed out people that I knew that had podcasts, platforms, things like that, that I felt that their audience was very aligned with the target audience for Seat Go Create. And to me, what you do with Beyond the Rut with how you push the boundaries of what success means and all that. To me, it seems as if what you're doing and what we're doing here is is a pretty good alignment. Am I right on that? It's okay to disagree. You know me, I'm okay for you to say, Tim, you're wrong. I can't believe you hate cats. <laughs> we got to have the world balanced that way. That might be the only difference though, because we, at the core, we both look at what is success. A lot of folks who we found over the years who feel stuck in a rut when you dig deeper into their story or their situation, they have all the boxes checked for what success looks like. They've got the job, they've got the income, they've got the house, the cars, the in-laws actually like them, whatever it is, they've got the family, they're married, they've got kids. But deep down inside, they don't feel like they're living a life of meaning or purpose or that it really is gonna matter when things are over. And that's where they feel stuck in a rut. Or they put so much effort into this job that they probably don't even like because they're concerned that if they lose the job, they lose the income that loses all the stuff. And so ultimately, a lot of these guys are following somebody else's definition of success. I know for me, I was a pre-med student at a young age. So I graduated high school, went into college, originally was recruited for tuba performance. I don't know if I ever told you that. For what? Tuba 
performance. So music what? performance, but more specifically, the only instrument that mattered to me was tuba. I didn't care about anything else. I was in heavy metal. Hold, hold on, man. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit taken back. We went from pre-med to the tuba. Yeah. And I have to bring this up. This, I can guarantee you, I have never mentioned this in any public forum for 50 years. I started in band in middle elementary school, late middle school, got braces. We were, I was playing the trumpet because the trumpet seemed cool. Yeah. And because of where I sat in the band, which is down near the end of the row, which anybody in music would know what that means. I wasn't good. And my buddy was there with me. The band leader came to us and said, all right, we need two guys, one to play tuba and one to play baritone. And he looked at the two of us and said, which one you doing? My buddy got the tuba. I got the baritone. <laughs> and we didn't have to pay for it. It was like owned by the band. He yeah. just needed us to do that. So I played the baritone for about whatever, probably not even as cool as the tuba. At least people know what the tuba is. So you're a tuba player, man. Tell me I more. Was. Yeah. So seventh grade, oddly enough. And I, I told my dad, I want to be in the band and I want to learn an instrument. My dad's caveat was great. As long as I don't have to rent an instrument for you, pick whatever you want. And I don't know why I sat in the back of the room the day we were picking instruments. I originally wanted trombone because of the slide. Looking back, my arms are short, so I probably wouldn't have been that good of a, a trombone player because I'd have to eventually throw the slide and then that's it. I'm done. I have to go get the slide and put it back on the horn for those who know what I'm talking about. So as we're getting to the back of the room, my friends look at me. I was four foot eight at the time in seventh grade. And my friends were like, hey, Jerry, I dare you to play that thing back there. We didn't even know what it was called. And I was like that? What is that? And they're like, I don't know, but it looks cool. It's bigger than you. Go for it. It was on a stand. So I'd have to climb in and sit in this chair and then play. It was a sousaphone with a marching tuba. And so it was my turn. And Mr. Wright, he asked Jerry, what do you want to play? And I was like, I want to play that thing. And he looked up, he said, the sousaphone? I'm like, sure. Yeah. Is that the big thing with, that looks like a cobra? And he's like, I got a bad feeling about this. You're already calling it a cobra? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I would do that, I would like snake attack people while I was in the band. And he told me to stop doing that. But that was it. And then the next day we got to play the horns for the first time. And I got to play that first note and it goes, Burr. and I was like, yeah, I'm going to play this. This is it. And seventh grade, eighth grade, my band director eventually buys a concert tuba for me to use in the, so the school owned the horn, not me. And then I go on to high school and I'm like, you know what? I think that cheerleader's cute. I'm going to quit band. I want to play football because that's the only way to get that cheerleader to notice me. The band director in high school, my friends ratted me out because she needed another tuba player. She wanted three. And my friends were like, Jerry, he plays tuba. I don't want, I don't know why he's he not here. And somebody said something about a cheerleader and football. And he hobbles off the field. He's not that big. He's probably going to die. And so my new band director was like, we got to save him. And I'm making up all the dialogue. I don't know if this is how it actually went down, but eventually I was asked to be in the high school band. I joined, they, they assigned me my horn. My band director signs me up for something called Youth Music Monterey, which is like an honors orchestra. And so it's like select baseball, but for band. So these are like the best from the local area high schools and middle schools coming together to learn orchestra pieces. They assigned me a tuba instructor. And this was like when it really got cool for me. This is all my freshman year. And Jim Paoletti, he's my tuba instructor in Youth Music Monterey. And I remember we're in his home studio and he tells me the story about sight reading because apparently I wasn't that good at it. I didn't know any of my scales. And he's, hey, 
let me tell you about sight reading, why it's so cool. And he tells me about when he was in college, his tuba instructor performed for the orchestra that performs for the movies, the scores. And so he got to go with them on recording day. And he said, it was just so cool. Cause we're like in the studio, the tuba instructor got his packet of music off a countertop, had his name on it and everything. And he had a studio assignment. And so they walk to that studio and walks in, closes the door, puts the music up there. And he's just like flipping through, plays a couple of sections. And then after about five, 10 minutes of doing this, gives a thumbs up to a mirror, which he later realized was the, I guess it wasn't a mirror, but anyway, the recording guys are on the other side of that glass. And then the red light comes on and they're live. And the tube instructor of Jim Paoletti, who's a college kid at the time, the guy just plays the whole stack of music, one take, nonstop. That part was the spaceship in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And when he told me that was done in one take and it was a tuba player, my mouth hit the floor. Like, I'm not studying with that guy, but I'm studying with the guy who studied with the guy who was the spaceship. And I was like, I want to be the guy that is the spaceship in the sequel of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which they never made. But uh, that was the inspiration to keep playing, performing. I was in honors bands, honors orchestras, got recruited to perform at University of the Pacific. But the last minute, I switched gears because I had this nightmare that being a tuba performer is not noble enough of a profession to make an impact on the world. What are you going to do? Play in polka bands the rest of your life? And I switched. I became a pre-med student and I started taking classes like organic chemistry four times. So I was not a quitter. <laughs> and yeah, it's what led me to join the army because with a 2.1 GPA, you're not going to medical school, which my faculty advisor knew, like I was tutoring people to get A's and B's in the classes I was failing. And he said, the guy knows the concepts. He knows how to do this, but he's bombing the exams. He's not turning his stuff in the labs. He does not want to be a doctor. He doesn't want to do this. This just isn't his thing. And so he tried to encourage me. He's, this guy has a knack for teaching people. Maybe I can encourage him to go into education and teach and he'll be employable and he'll be happy. And I told him something like, you know, those who can't teach. And he just, from that point on, he just started signing off on paperwork to get out of your kid. Like he realized I was too proud to, to take his advice. But yeah, from there, joined the army, served four and a half years, uh, went through a combat tour, came out of there, got hired by a healthcare organization. And it was about a year into that when they were ready to send me off to nursing school and become a nurse, to become a nurse educator that I realized they didn't want to go. And that was the aha moment of, I've been pursuing somebody else's dream. And that was my mother's dream to be a doctor, not mine. And I was like, wow. So yeah. That's fair. The, fasc yeah. the fascinating thing about that is just, let's just look at this all within the aspect of success. I love the conversation about the story because there's a lot of lessons, I believe, about success along the way. I think there are things that all of us deal with. I, I love that moment where you said, a girl, a cheerleader, I'm going to go play football because that's what that girl or the cheerleaders are more interested in. When truthfully, and you can answer this question or not, you stood out more, you were more unique, more whatever words we want to use with that tuba instead of playing football. Have you ever thought about what your life would have been like had you continued the football route? Would you be oh. alive? 
It continued. I did both actually okay. through high school. It was I was one of those kids that I would pref- I would play my game and then I would be in my football uniform during halftime. So I was one of those kids you would see in Texas halftime shows. Now, once I made varsity, it was I was strictly a football player who happened to march in the band because the band still did parade competitions and right. yeah, and the tuba player. It's kind of like okay. the bullpen catcher. You're not going to kick that guy out. You need that guy. <laughs> Sorry, a teammate of mine used to say that in college. He's like, I'm the bullpen catcher. He's not going to throw me off the team. Now, the third string guy is in trouble. I'm safe. I'm the guy who always warms up the pitcher. It's cool. And I was like, I'm the tuba player. You're always going to need me in competition. The home crowd in the football game is not going to know that Jerry, the tuba player, was not there. The judges on a parade route are going to realize you don't have enough foundation in your sound. Yeah, I guess I had job security on the band. But, yeah, I didn't play through college. Football, that is. I stopped. but a lot of us, a lot of us do just that. First of all, we don't understand all the options available, which sometimes that's good. Sometimes too many options is not a good thing. Yeah. And then we choose a route that is a family member thinks medicine or some lawyers or things like that. No, it seems like no one says lawyers anymore to, to dig at the lawyers that might be listening in. Probably not. Um, pretty confident lawyers don't listen to podcasts, but that's a whole nother topic. They do. They do. I know a few. I, I know around. a lawyer, by the way. I know a lawyer who's in a family of physicians, and he's considered the black sheep in the family because he's not oh. a doc. Poor guy. Because yeah, you went down that path. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it really is this whole thing of success. There's expectations that people place on us. There's comparison to other people. Joe did this, so I need to do it, too. Now we have comparison to the nth degree with social media and things like that. How does that feed into people getting into a rut. How does that lead to what you consider or define as a rut? Oh, yeah. So a rut, I had to look this up because Laura Paget. I don't know if you remember her. She oh, asked yeah, yeah. The actual definition. I was like, you know, I know what it is, but I never actually looked it up. So it's a pattern of behaviors that are unproductive. And when we look at what other people are doing, whether it's podcasting or entrepreneurship, self-employment, a career path, there's a template we see in front of us and we think, if I do those things, then I will have that success. And that's what's expected of me. I need to go have that success. And then we just start going through those motions without really asking, is that who I am? Is that what I want to do? Because I do sometimes wonder, what would life be like if I stuck with tuba and said, that is my passion. I want to be the guy in the back row, bust out the lowest note in the audience, in the crowd. It's just, it's fun. And what would life be like? And I'll never know because I gave it up to pursue something that wasn't my dream. And I wouldn't get, I wouldn't do it all differently because that path is where I met my wife, had my kids and had the adventures that I've had so far. But I know if I'd followed my passions, tuba would be the thing. I probably would be in a polka band somewhere in Germany right now, but I'd also be in an orchestra. I'd be in a military marching band. I would have seen the world through music and travel and all those things. And I got to remember what the question was. Oh yeah. Comparison. There we go. Bam. I was like, what is that? So after a while though, if you're following somebody else's footsteps, you almost have that expectation to have the same exact results. And I see it in podcasting. I see it in all these different walks of life. Even the person who's just disgruntled at work. I've been here for 15 years. Why did that person get promoted and not me? And not really thinking about, am I a right fit for that role anyway? Am I in the right fit for where I am right now? Is this what I even want to do? I hate this job. And not really taking that time to look into themselves and understand what is it they want in their lives. Like when their life is done, 
what would success look like for them in the areas of their faith, their family, fitness, finances, and their future growth, the trajectory they were on. And a lot of us don't take time to examine that. And I think when we get into the comparison trap and we don't have a grounding in who we are, who we want to be, and who we're becoming, then it's easy to just fall into somebody else's path, which becomes a rut for us because it's not productive to what we want to accomplish and what we want to be. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. And in the world that we're in today, we're recording this in 2023, we have access to so much stuff to look at other people and see where they're at, or at least their best, because we see it on social media to and all over the world. And then we can tap into it with things like this, podcast videos, stuff like that. And I think about like my grandfather, who, if I think about my grandfather's life, I would say he was in a rut. He was a guard that sat in a 10 by 10 room that was like a sauna in the winter because it had this heater that kept it pretty much 85 degrees. And then when it was summer in Mississippi, where he was, had one window unit that kept it about 45 degrees so he could hang meat in there and the windows were frosted up. And he went and did that. But you know what? I never picked up on any discontent or anything like that. And I'm pretty sure this might be an interesting thing to bring up here. I'm pretty sure had I asked him, granddaddy was what I called him, if I would have said, granddaddy, what are you doing with your life? What's your purpose? What does it mean? And all that. I'm pretty sure he would have said, what are you talking about? I get up every day. I go to work. I come home. I get to go fishing every once in a while. And I get to see you and the grandkids every once in a while. That was his life. That was his world. So I do think there is a bit of what we manufacture around us. I think ruts are relative. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just a Respond to that, because I do think we're in the world we're in today, we almost have too much of an ability to throw one other thing at you. Recently, the story of Moses, and he was for 40 years, he was on the backside of the desert. All indications were, was a rut, but for 40 years, he was there. In a desert. desert. So I'm poking holes at you to get you to really, let's talk about this. And I, because I'm in agreement with you. But I also want to know, how do we know or not know, or when do we supposed to just grind it out and just stick with what we're doing for 40 years like Moses did? I don't know the answer to that. So what are your thoughts? Oh, man. First, yes. I think a rut for somebody is relative. For me, in the corporate space, I know there are people who they think that success is the level of attainment that they have in their job position, and they're satisfied by that. But for me, I know that the moment somebody asked me to put more than 40 hours a week in the office, I'm already resisting. I'm like, you know what? On my deathbed, I'm not going to say, man, I wish I put five more hours a week in the office. I'm going to be saying to myself, I wish that I found a way to sneak out of the office and be with my family more. Kind of like your grandfather. He was content that he had time with his family and he had no aspirations to be more than a security guard in his profession. He was fine with that. My dad was kind of the same way. He's fine with doing a nine to five type of job and chill out and just relax and be a leisurely person. And now relationship-wise, he's probably suffered. He doesn't have the deep friendships he would have wanted or the career satisfaction he probably would have wanted. But for me, though, like there's a certain set of priorities I've got which aren't going to be the same as you or the same as my previous boss or my coworkers. And the same, my coworkers aren't going to have the same priorities. I think it's important to be in tune with what those are. And 
I think the folks who struggle the most and feel probably that they're in the deepest of ruts are the ones that don't take time to know who they want to be and like, what is it that makes me tick? What do I believe in? What are my values? What do I, what am I against? What are my boundaries in life? And if I know those things, I can now start answering questions like, what is work-life balance? Trevor Noah is a comedian who recently came out and said, there's no such thing as work-life balance. And there's just life and that's it. And I'm like, there is. In my book, I think there is a work-life balance. There is your professional life and you do things, you get things done. But then you don't want that so much to get in the way of serving in church, worshiping God, and connecting with your wife and children. That is in my book. And so if I scale back on doing professional work so I can have more time with my God and my family, I will choose that and I will be perfectly fine with that. But there are other people that are like, you know what? I can work a longer day today because I will achieve this level of success at work. And they're fine with that too. But it comes at a cost. It, you know, they're choosing that work over the rest of the areas of their life. And so for me, there is work-life balance. It is different for everybody. It's just where do we put those fulcrums for that balance to happen? I do think it's relative. Let's go ahead and throw some scripture at this conversation. Let's go to, you know, what the Paul, I was about to say Paul, I have to say the Apostle Paul. Let's go ahead and Paul said that, that he is content wherever he's at. He's abounded and abased. And I think in our culture, our modern day society, we are almost, we almost lean towards being discontent, malcontent. I don't, what's the right wording on that? Not content. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting coming from Paul, I can abound, I can abase and all. And I've gone through that. We've poked at the word success a lot here and I've had companies, businesses, and I know you've worked in roles and things that people would look at you and go, man, that Jerry, he is hitting home runs, but maybe on the inside you weren't. Yeah. And so how do we layer what we learn from the apostle Paul in? I guess one thing that that I struggle with a little bit, I worked corporate gig for nine years. And after the second day, I knew it wasn't for me. I knew it. I'm not meant to work for somebody else. <laughs> but it took me eight and a half years to get out of it because I was just working on other things. I had businesses on the side, all that kind of stuff. How do we know when we're just supposed to be content, suck it up, buttercup, just sit back, be quiet, do the job, do the work, whatever versus what we're about to talk about that you taught in your, in your book that just came out, Beyond the Rut, Create a Life Worth Living in Your Faith, Family, and Career, versus putting some things in place to move beyond that rut. How, you know what? Because I know you've interviewed a lot of people too. How do we know when we should just hang tight or when we should start pursuing things? What's the indicators there? Yeah. I think the one question, probably the most important question, is this really what I want to do? Or is it something somebody else told me I needed to do? A lighter example would be, I've got a friend who every time everybody's challenging themselves to go achieve a goal, this guy wants to do a cold shower challenge and get everybody on board. Cold shower challenge. And I'm like, why? And the idea is if I do the cold water challenge or the cold shower challenge, I'm already tackling a very tough thing early in the morning. And therefore, I've got the confidence to go forth and conquer the rest of my goals. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to. I, I will still pursue my goals with or without the cold water, the cold shower challenge. 
And, and so the first time this guy proposed it, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll get in on this. And I did it for a week. And then I started to realize everybody else in the group was lying. They were not doing it. And then eventually they fessed up. I'm like, am I the only one doing this? I'm only doing it because I wanted to support all of you, but it's just, I don't get any value out of it. I'm not going to do it anymore. And so I stopped. And so then in the future, when it kept up coming up over and over again, I just politely declined. I'm like, I no, I'm just not going to do it. I have no desire to, and it doesn't add to or take away from what I really want to pursue. So that's one thing. And then I shared earlier the the realization that becoming a doctor was my mom's dream, not mine. And so I had some indicators there like self-sabotage. I was the guy who had the ability to do well in science and understood the concepts covered in class, but I purposely made sure I didn't study the study guide for the exam. I just wouldn't touch it. I stayed away from all the bold print that would have gotten me the grade I needed on the test, but I understood all the, the little things that made all the big stuff make sense. And it was just, yeah, I just didn't prepare. So that'd be another example. I like that. But, uh, the one thing about that cold challenge, first of all, we live in an RV, so there's times I'm dealing with the yeah, cold. No anyway, yeah, we woke up a couple mornings ago, no propane, and it was like 40 degrees inside. We were inside there. I felt as if at one point I was spending some time with the Lord and I was saying, Lord, oh, what about this ice plunge and this cold water? You know, what is that something I should do? And, and I felt as if, now this is me, I'm not giving a prophetic word to anyone here, felt as if the Lord said, why would you do that when I gave you hot water? But that's a whole nother t <laughs> Just wait but, for the propane tank to come in. But the cool thing about what you're bringing up is that I think you have to be on, don't necessarily be a follower. I think there's times that we do that. I know you've got military background on There's times that you just, you get in line and you go along with what's going on. But I love that. What is it that Jerry is designed, created, purposed for? What's Tim supposed to, you know what? It may be two different things and we need to embrace that and but how do we find that out? What's the, what are some mechanisms or ways that we can go about finding out directions to go if we go, I don't know if I need to do this cold water chat. Yeah. I feel pretty confident I don't. Let me just go ahead and say, not for me. I'm a, I love my warm showers. So by choice, I do not do them. So one thing I love looking at is what I call the five F's and I didn't come up with them. I just, I wanted alliteration. So I changed all the words into words that start with F. And they're in order of priority for me. So first and foremost, my faith. So how am I doing in my walk with Jesus? Am I spending time in prayer every day or all the time, really? When it comes to decision-making, is that the first person I go to and get quiet and just listen for that tug on my heart? Um, am I reading the Bible? Am I reading books from other spiritual leaders? Am I going to church? Am I plugged in small groups? Am I being fed and am I feeding others and am I serving others in my faith? So that's the first thing I look at. And if I find myself trying to do everything in my own power, not trusting in God, then I'm like, ah, there, there's problem number one right there. But then I also look at my family situation. One thing my wife and I have been in agreement with since day one of us dating was whoever we marry, that's the person we're going to be married to. And we want to be married to that person. It's got to be somebody who's willing to do what it takes to be a better person, be a better communicator, be a servant to each other in a sense. And so that was something we were both very much in agreement on before we got married. And 21 years later, that's still us. And then because of that relationship, we can be better parents to our kids. And then everybody else takes a back seat to those two relationships, my marriage and my children. And then, so a lot of my guy friends were like, what, you're going to, you're going to choose your wife over hanging out with us. 
Yup. <laughs> Why? Because I don't go to bed with you guys. I go to bed with her. And 30 years from now, I'm still not going to go to bed with you guys. I'm going to go to bed with her. And as far as who I want to look up to me, my kids, I, they're going to be the ones that have grandkids for me. And I want access to those grandkids. And I want to be an influence on their lives too. So my relationship with my kids needs to be better than my relationship with all the, everybody else. And my boss, you know, you sign off on the time card. You give me guidance in my work, but I'm not going to spend more time than I have to or need to. Um, now I'll seek counseling and mentorship and coaching from you. And if we become best bud, sure. But you're still going to fall behind wife and children. You're down there somewhere with all my buddies. So I take a look at family and then fitness. How am I doing? Not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. So tying back into faith as well. And then finances. Sometimes my stressor might be we spent more than we were supposed to this month. Or there's a pay increase. How are we going to manage that? Or we want to take a vacation. How are we going to pull that off expense-wise and set aside money for those big purchases? Uh, and then future possibility. What am I doing every day as part of my daily routine to make me better today than I was yesterday? Maybe it's an exercise routine. Maybe it's the SAVERS acronym from Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning Routine. So I, I do a blend of all those. So there's silence. What's the A? Affirmations. V is visualization. E is exercise. R is reading. S is scribing or writing or journaling. I used to do all those things in the morning in a two-hour block. Now I just give myself two hours. Choose any of those in any combination you want and enrich yourself. And so, that's, so if I want to spend two hours reading, I do that. If I want to spend two hours journaling or writing an article, I do that. If I want to walk for the whole two hours, I usually don't. But if I wanted to, I could. <laughs> I think once I cheated and I spent like an hour doing pour over coffee in the morning and my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, quiet time. Just I'll go back to bed. I'm like, okay. And so I look at my life in those five areas, faith, family, fitness, finance, and future possibility. And I, how are things, what are the things I want in my life in those areas? So I want to be plugged into a men's group and a married couples group and go to church every Sunday. I want to serve my church. Those are four big things for me. I want my wife and I to be closer than anybody else in the world. Fitness-wise, I don't need to be like a muscle bodybuilder, but I want to be able to go three flights of stairs and not wheeze. And I want to be able to tie my shoes and not lose breath. When my kids get married, I have a vision that my father-daughter dance is going to be a really cool one that makes people cry. And so I have these things I've visualized in my life and I make life decisions based off of how will this support or hurt the, that vision in those five areas. And recently, I, and you might be aware of this, I, I left my corporate job. I was at a director level. I had a team reporting to me. I not only impacted a healthcare organization with about 9,000 people in it, but during the, the pandemic, I was able to collaborate with another healthcare organization that had 40,000 people in it. And so my work wasn't just impacting us, it was impacting another healthcare organization as well in six U.S. states, in four different countries. And the, these are good things. It's yes. But the thing that made me leave the job was my wife saying to me, because she saw that things were getting heavier for me. I was upset with something that happened at work. It went against a lot of my core values. And my choice was really stick around and endorse what happened or and rebuild or get out of there. Let that person fix that mess and go do a different thing. And my wife said to me, just quit your job. I was like, wow, you're miss. We got to have financial security before I do anything else. And she said, yes. And I trust two things. Three, 
First of all, I trust God's going to provide for us. Two, I know he has because we have a nest egg to fall back on. And I know you know the numbers. I was like, yeah, I know the numbers. And she said, and third, I want my husband back. And I was like, I never left. I'm here. And she said, no, you're not happy, Jerry. You are angry at the world, angry at your boss, angry at the work situation, Jerry. And it's so bad that our kids have come up to me and asked in private, are you and dad okay? And when she pointed that out to me, I went through those five Fs. I'm like, I trust God's working in me and around me. So that hasn't faltered, but wow, my family's at risk. And, but this job, it pays good money. It's a six figure income. It's the highest I've ever earned. I'm on the path to be vice president someday. And I caught it there. I was like, someday, like I got to stick around six or seven years to take this guy's job. If I don't jump out of a window before that, because he was just, he was a pill. I won't name the guy, but anyway, it was a challenge. And I just realized I am putting on the golden handcuffs because everybody's expecting me to keep this job and keep this paycheck coming in. And my wife is telling me, I don't care about the paycheck if I'm losing my husband in the process. And I was like, thanks for reminding me of that. And I put in my resignation that it was a holiday weekend. So that Tuesday I put in my resignation and everybody around me noticed, wow, you seem happy. And there's like a bounce in your step again. And our kids, they came back to visit and they're like, dad's back. And my wife's like, yeah, I got my husband back. And, and so it's just, that is the long way to answer. Like, how do I know I'm stuck in a rut? It is looking at those five areas of my life, faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. And really thinking about what do I want in those, those areas? How am I doing right now? And what is impacting those? And it, it's led me to quit a job to live off of savings for a few months and start my own business and take a leap of faith. So that's where the book came in. It was like this realization that for the last seven years of the podcast, it's always been a dream and a written goal of the podcast to have a book published that is the manifesto of the show. Define your own version of success. Recognize when you're in a rut, create goals to get out of there, create a life vision for yourself, and then go take action to get there. And we're a show that's going to help you do all those things and we even put in a book for you. So if you don't want to listen to all our episodes, here is who we are in summary. It was meant to be a, like a, a free download. I, I think you were on that call. Like we were like, we can make this a free download and just get it out there. Somehow that morphed into a 124 page book available on Amazon. And it's like in paperback, Kindle, it's an audiobook form. And I'm like, yeah, that got out of hand. Like that was supposed to be a free giveaway. And I wound up self-publishing this and it looks great. I had professionals edit uh, the document for me, the cover design, I had professionals do the artwork. I had my friends and family help me select the actual cover and it feels real. It's like tangible. It's like, here are the thoughts and ideas and concepts behind Beyond the Rut. This is the message of the show. And because of that book, I'm seeing like being a guest on podcasts. Like I now have a message that's coherent. This is my message. I can go to organizations. Johns Hopkins reached out to me and said, we want you to talk to us about what to do when you feel like your career's stuck in a rut. And I'm like, what? This is so cool. Yes. Uh, by the way, is it paid? And they're like, yeah, sorry, we didn't mention that part. And so it's really cool to see just by following that one goal after quitting my job, following that one goal, getting it out there, I'm actually checking off boxes on my bucket list and I'm feeling good. And so, wow, I'm doing what I wanted to do. The fascinating thing, the cool thing, I love what your wife did because I was around, we uh, Jerry and I get to jump on a mastermind. It's on the schedule once a week. Sometimes we're both on there. Sometimes we're not, but we connect 
maybe once a month-ish might be a way of saying it. We yeah. kind of see each other. Don't have deep conversations like this, which is fun. But, And I will say, I was around when I remember that was going on. And we did see a different Jerry begin to materialize. Not that it was like, oh my gosh, Jekyll and Hyde. No, it's just like lighter, airier, a little more open and definitely getting more focused. Sometimes when a change like that occurs, it gets us focused on the things that might impact that last one there, your future. Things like, you know what? I feel like now's an opportunity to write a book. And But before we get too much further, though, away from these five Fs, I wanted to ask a few questions around that, because when I see five things like that, I start wanting to force rank them. And so what I'm going to ask is over the seven, eight years of Beyond the Rut interviews and laying those over these five Fs, what's the one that you see people that have gotten beyond a rut, what's the one that they've struggled with the most, if there is one, or the one that keeps coming up time and time again that you observe or notice? And maybe the five S have materialized over time. And I'm, because I'm going to share kind of where I'm at right now with the one that's working the best and the one that's working the least. And I'm going to ask you the same question too, because I think that's part of our evaluation process as we go along. Yeah. Family would be the one that we've heard the most in over 300 interviews, family impact has been the biggest thing. And it's somebody who was pursuing a career, pursuing income, pursuing wealth, and it took a toll on the family. And it was that aha, or maybe it was a divorce that made them realize I need to regroup who I am as a person so that my next marriage is stronger, healthier, and endures. Or a strange relationship with their kids. And that it was the idea or that realization I don't want to die with my kids thinking I'm a total stranger and a monster. I need to be a better dad for them and pulling themselves together to be that dad who's present, even if mom and dad aren't together again, that they're present and engaged father. And so family has been probably the one that stood up the most because it's probably the most universal. Now, the ones who are Christian will also typically, once they've gone through that trial, will praise God and give credit to God. And so that's where the faith comes in first and foremost. So as they grew stronger in their faith, uh, other things started to fall into place because they were just from a Christian centric perspective, realizing that the closer I get to God, the closer I get to everybody, because I'm more aligned with the love and sacrifice that God is. And I express that to other people. And it's so I see Christians bringing that to the table and the rest is like the extra symptoms that come into play. I've talked to folks. Once they got right with their family and their faith, their health got better. The finances got into a healthy position. They weren't pursuing, they still make money. They're still successful in their career or their business, but it's not the number one driver for who they are as a person. And they could lose the business and they'll still be happy with who they are and they'll go back and they'll earn that money back. They're like, that relationship with money has become healthier. It's a tool. It's a vehicle. It's not who I am. And then the futures, for me, I, I put them in order. So faith, family, fitness, finances. That future possibility is that kind of the rocket. It's like, what's propelling me forward? It's all the other things I haven't covered yet in these areas, all the things I haven't learned yet, all the people I haven't met yet, all the ways I haven't helped people yet. Yeah, that's future possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting for me as you were going through those five Fs, and I did read the book too, but I actually read the book about a month or so ago. So it's actually not as fresh in my mind as I, I usually have when I've read a book that I'm interviewing someone, but I do recall just the foundational principles that I 
in my mind, that were valuable for anybody that picks the book up. You know, is it something for leaders and people in corporate? Yeah. But is it something for a teenager, a 20-something? Yeah, I actually think so, especially because of the quickness of it, the good examples and stories. So great job on the book. I enjoyed it. But as I'm, as you were talking about it just then, I was sitting there thinking to myself, which one of these five is my high point now and which one is my low point? And I think I put faith and family right up around the top. I happen to be parked right in the backyard of my daughter and son-in-law and grandkids. So when I finish clicking record over the top of my computer, I just saw my three-year-old granddaughter come in from school. I'll go out and we'll play and all that kind of stuff. And my wife and I will go on a date night. Anyway, things are in my faith is always a strong point, but my fitness one is very interesting for me. I've got this little knee thing that's been nagging at me. And and so I, I immediately put that one at the lowest because I've just got a little ache and a pain that's been bugging me. And I only share that as a lob to put it back to you. Which one right now would you put as this one's rocking? I'm at a high point doing well here. And then which one would you force rank to the lowest one that maybe you're having to work on or there's something going on there, struggle or something like that? Just, I think so that, I think that's how we'd be true to ourselves by forcing yeah. which one we doing well at. Yeah. So the top three where I'm doing really well would be faith, family, and future possibility. I still do my morning routine in some way. I'm reading books, doing interviews on podcasts, grow me like you wouldn't believe. And people ask, why do you do so many? It's like, I get to learn from people who are succeeding in life in one of these areas and I get to glean from them and it makes me a bigger, better person in a way, at least better than I was yesterday. The two that are lower, finances would be one, just because for the last five or six months, yeah, we made the decision, let's live off of our savings, either A, look for a job or build a business. And we chose build a business. And so there are extra expenses that come with that. It's, oh, hey, yeah, this is getting a little nerve wracking. Okay, we got income tax return came in. Okay, now how does this all work now? I'm like, boom. I wouldn't put that at the very bottom though, because my wife and I talk about money now better than we did five, six years ago, two years ago, even because this is it, like whatever revenue we generate. Yeah. But we're even talking through like, how does the money flow through the business? When I was in real estate in 2006 through 2000, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Good timing there, by the way. Good job yeah. on that. Yeah. Right. I timed it perfectly for the bubble to break. Find out there was a recession. So I left guy. my job. You're the guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. It's, oh, there's a lion in this room and I just closed the door. What? <laughs> that's not a good idea, but that's, that, I'm that guy. I walk into a fire pit without knowing it. It's, oh, where was I again? Oh yeah. So, you know, finances, we've gotten better at talking through that, but fitness, I think would be the thing that's at the bottom of the rung, because while I was going through that season at work where I wasn't happy, it was a toxic environment. I put on 40 pounds. Like I had lost weight. I was eating healthy. I was exercising every day, but the stress of a project, the stress of work, I stopped doing that. And I put 40 pounds back on, if not more. And getting back to that, realizing and having that awareness of like when I'm stress eating, when I'm avoiding exercise, when I use my friend Mike as an excuse to not go walk, it's, oh, Mike canceled, so I don't have to go. And my wife's like, you can still go. Just wait till the sun comes up. You guys like to go at five in the morning and the strength and numbers and all that, but wait for sunrise and still do your walk. I'm like, yeah, God. But 
she's right. It's like, there isn't anything stopping me from going for my walk at seven in the morning as opposed to five in the morning. But yeah, I would say fitness is at the bottom right now. And, and I've recognized that not just because you said something here, but it was like, why is it tiring to walk up the stairs? Oh yeah. I'm heavy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it because I hit 60 this year. And and have a three year old and a eleven month old granddaughter that we're hanging out with a good bit. Oh yeah. And and we go on walks most afternoons and stuff like that. And I'm just I'm finding I'm not able to do some of the rhythms I like because of this the little knee thing going on. But one of the things that I'm coming to terms with what I can and can't do, which I think is an interesting thing in life. Also, I think that's an interesting and funny thing, but. I like the fact I've actually, I'm meeting with corporate client, a leadership team this next week. And one of the things I do often is I take our mission and values, especially our values. And I cause the leadership team to force rank them to do just what we just did right here. Yeah. So, okay. What's, so you've admitted, and it could be a season where just fitness might take a little bit of a backseat to finances. We know it's going to be interesting as you're starting a business and all that, but it's just that time and that's good. And it's all fine and all that. We're good. I want us to talk more about the book in just a moment before we wrap up and how people can find it and everything. But this portion of the show is sponsored by ChatGPT because <laughs> I did something interesting. And at the time we're recording this, I don't know when, I don't know what'll be going on when people listen. At the time of recording, one of the big things going on is ChatGPT and things like that. And I do want people to know that both Jerry and I are real people. We're not AI. None of this has been AI generated, including our likenesses and all, because truthfully, if I were going to generate myself AI, I would look a heck of a lot better than I currently do. <laughs> yeah, I'd have more muscles. But I did something, Jerry, and I don't know if you've done any of this with the things you do in podcast. I know there's a lot of tools and all out there, but I took your bio from your one sheet and I fed it into, I call it a her that could be wrong. It could be something else, but my wife and I have a name for our chat GPT. We call her Gertrude. We fed it into Gertrude and we said, I said, Gertrude, I'm about to talk to this friend of mine. I know questions to ask. I know conversations to have, but give me 10 questions that I should ask based on this info. And I'm going to read some of them out. I don't want you to answer them, but there's one that we're going to use to show the challenges with Oh, nice. AI, awesome. okay? Because there was something in there very fascinating. There were some good questions like, what inspired you to start the podcast? You faced adversity and redefining success. You're, you went, I think family went through divorce, dad's attempted suicide, stuff like that. We, I don't even know if we want to get into that now. Why is it important for people to have vision in their lives and goals? Some really good ones here. Yeah. But there was something that you mentioned about Proverbs 31, yeah. in your, and so let me give you the question. This is, sponsored by ChatGPT, or Gertrude, it says, you've talked about the importance of being a Proverbs 13 man in a healthy marriage. Oh. What does that look like in practice, and how can men strive to embody this ideal? Now, what I did was I whipped out my Bible because I'm thinking maybe she knows something that we need to know from Proverbs 13. Right. Okay. I'm scrambling here. I'm like, I don't know Proverbs 13. I know 31. I don't either, but I've got <laughs> things like a wise son. He's his father's. I'm trying to find something related to marriage. We, we, I think people would know Proverbs 31. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. He who walks with wise men will be wise. I've got all kinds of things highlighted. And 
Proverbs 13. So I'm wondering if she is attempting to manipulate us to go to Proverbs 13 and Proverbs 31. What do you think here? What do we have in this portion of the show sponsored by Chat GPT? Man, maybe Gertrude's smarter than we realized. Because I purposely said Proverbs 31 husband because everybody's familiar with the Proverbs 31 wife. And they're not familiar that there's a husband mentioned in three different verses there. What does he do? What's his role there? Yeah. It turns out he has full faith in her. Like he, he trusts her. The, another verse, he's, he's, he's well-respected at the city gate. So these are like the guys who are the movers and the shakers and the leaders in their communities. So this guy so has- he, a, he's no slacker. He's no deadbeat. He's not exactly. just sitting around watching Jerry Springer on TV. Yeah, exactly. He's not the, hey, bring me a sandwich guy. He's the, hey- Honey, I fully trust you got everything here. I'm going to go talk to the guys about past and the legislation and maybe beef up security around here to make everybody safe. All right, we'll see you when I get back. And so then there's that. And then he just praises her in front of the children. And he's not like making fun of her. He's not talking about her looks or intellect or anything like that. He's praising his wife in a way that's modeling it for the kids. And so that the so everybody says, she's blessed. Look at her. And so those are the three verses I was aiming at when I say Proverbs 31, husband. But in Proverbs 13, I guess you can't go wrong here. Like a wise son heeds his father's instructions, but a mocker does not. <laughs> and I think I got some highlights in here on the Bible app. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. And so for me, that's always a great reminder. Who you are on the inside matters way more than what you look like to everybody else. And, and so that ties in with what the conversation is we've been having, which is like, how do you know that you're pursuing your own dreams versus somebody else's? How do you know you're in a rut and versus just needing to slug this thing out and keep on your path? That's pretty cool. Very good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad when I first got that question back from Chad, I said, okay, going to have a little bit of fun with it. We're going to mock the AI that's so popular now, but you know what? Let's spin it and make it positive. Maybe the AI was pointing us to something. Pretty much we can't go through Proverbs and find anything that would contradict almost everything yeah. we've discussed here. You talk about your future and well, that's really rocking along for you. And I know you've got the podcast that's doing great, rocking along. You've got the book that is excellent, done very well. What What's coming up in the future that you're really super excited about? And you mentioned a couple things here, but something else about the future before we wrap up here. The biggest thing is I'm pursuing the dream. <laughs> the dream I've had, and my wife and I were talking about it just a few days ago that, because she'd asked me, oh, we were talking about living in Dallas because she's grown up in Corpus Christi. I've grown up all over the world as an army brat. And we were talking about how big Dallas is and how she never dreamed that she would live in a city like this. And I had said to her something like, I have, it's weird. I, I never thought I was going to move to a big city. I just, ever since we left the army and I had that first job out of the army, I always had it in my head that we would be a family that lived in a big city, empty nesters at some point. And I would be traveling the world, speaking at organizations, speaking at events, and that we would just, that would be our life. And it wouldn't be like a, you know, I gave up family for fortune or fame. It was like in the dream, in the vision, I am in a hotel, but I'm in a suit. I'm getting ready to go downstairs to wherever I'm doing my talk, but I'm calling my wife first just to tell her what I've been up to, that I'm about to go downstairs and I'll call her as soon as I'm done and I'll see her tonight, that, that kind of thing. And it's just like this very vague dream. And I'm in it right now. Like I've published the book. I'm hoping the book leads to speaking engagements, paid keynote appearances, 
And I've also started a company called BTR Impact because I want to take all the things I loved about my corporate job, which was doing leadership development trainings, some coaching, and really inspiring leaders to be servant leaders and how they approach their teams. So when we're looking at current events right now with quiet quitting, 50 million people quit their jobs in the U.S. last year in 2022. And leaders are struggling. How do we keep our talent here as opposed to running off to the competition? And you got all these different ideas, but Gallup did a survey recently. And, and I think about servant leadership and I'm like, the seven pillars of servant leadership fit that. And I love this thing. And if I could just share that message with companies and leadership teams and help them apply those principles, not only would they be leading like Jesus, whether they knew it or not, but they'd be leading in a way that people respond and say, I want to work for this guy. I, I want to stay here and I want to work here for as long as I can until they realize they probably could have hired somebody. That's what I want to do. And that's what I'm working on. I'm building the messaging around that so that I can better communicate that out to different companies. And uh, yeah, just freelance as a leadership development trainer and coach. And also be out there as somebody who talks about getting out of your rut, whether it's your career or something else in life. So yeah, that's what's going I on. I like how everything revolves around that beyond the rut brand. I think that's good. And I'm sure a lot of people would say, oh, you've planned that all along. And I'm, but I know better. You stepped into the podcast years ago. And so it has somewhat evolved, which is awesome. If you want to have a little bit of fun with your wife, you know, she mentioned she didn't see herself being in Dallas. Say, hey, listen, I just talked to a buddy of mine and he just wanted me to ask you, have you ever thought about living in an RV? Right. It'll be a good conversation. I'm sure it'll go well for you if you just bring that up. Oh, I actually brought that up when we first interviewed you for Beyond the Rut. It was probably the fastest no I heard come out of her mouth. Oh my. Yeah. It was well, as far as living in an RV. She'll go camping with me if there's an RV involved. Yeah. I'm like, but I like going in the woods with a hammock and just bare minimum. She goes, yeah, no, if RV is in this, the conversation, yes, I will go camping with you. I'm like, oh. Very cool. good. I do. I can see all of that stuff happening for you that you brought up to Jerry. I mean, I'm watching it as it unfolds. And as one that's done a lot of those things too, I could definitely see your path down that. And it's very exciting when one is outside of a rut, going down a path that's a little bit different, unique. You can't see the edges, the rims, the safety bars along the side. And I can see you doing that. So that's very exciting. Where do people need to go to find out about you, to get the book, all of that stuff? Just give all that right now. We'll include it down in the notes, but where do they need to go? Awesome. So for the podcast, the book itself, beyondtherut.com is the hub for everything. If you want to go straight to Amazon and buy the book, just beyondtherut.com slash book, and we'll pull up the results right there for you on your browser. And then if you're interested in me being at your organization or event as a speaker or to run a workshop, btrimpact.com is that website and it gives you a list of the different topics I cover as a speaker for keynotes and workshop topics as well, what those entail. Yeah, beyondtherut.com and then btrimpact.com. Excellent. Thanks, Jerry. We're Seek, Go, Create. You know that. I know you do. I'm going to give you one of those words to choose and why as my last question. Seek, go, or create. Which one do you choose? Right now I am in create mode, so I'm going with create. Yeah. Taking all the ideas that I've sought and yeah, now it's just making it happen. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jerry. What a fun time we've had. And the author of the book, Beyond the Rut, Create a Life Worth Living in Your Faith, Family, and Career. Make sure you get a copy of that. Go check them out over Beyond the Rut. I am confident if people listen in here, 
they'll enjoy beyond the rut also. And I appreciate you being here. I'm glad we're able to have this conversation because it's a more focused conversation than probably we get to have when we're all around our masterminds and things like that. Make sure you share this. Listen, I bet some of you know somebody who's in a rut. Some of you might be in a rut, but if you know somebody, share this episode with them so that they can hear some of the things talked about. Identify their five F's that Jerry mentioned and hopefully get them out of that rut. Appreciate everybody listening in here. We are Seek, Go, Create. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be. 